You are listening to Amen, a four-part podcast series from New Life Church in Southeastern Virginia. Umain, Amen, Amin, Amen, Amen, Amen. In every language, its inflection might change, but its intention the same. Let it be, we agree. I'm your host, Pastor Dana Williams. Join me and my guests as we share stories and biblical wisdom on the power of Amen. Welcome to our podcast, everyone. I am your host, Pastor Dana Williams, and I am here with two friends. We have Pastor Chris Mitchell, who pastors a church, Kingsgate, and we have my friend, Dr. Soon-to-be, or no, you already are. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Dr. Sarah Hummel, and Sarah is the president of Seapoint College, of which I get the pleasure of sitting on the board of directors for, and uh, I just want to thank you both for being here. It's an honor. Thank you so much. When I thought about this whole topic of praying, prayers of victory, both of you came to mind. Mm-hmm. I know stories, bits of your story, and I know that there have been times in your lives where you have obviously had to really just contend for victory. Um, Sarah, I know that you've had some health issues in the past, and so I just want to kind of start with you. Where in your life, first of all, did you see someone really live an example of what a prayer of a lifestyle of victory looks like? Who did you first see that from? I grew up in a Christian household and we were in church and it was exampled again and again through a lot of the leaders in our church. It was a very healthy church who brought in different guest speakers, who brought in um, people of faith who stayed and exampled what it was to live this lifestyle, um, Peterson says, the long obedience in the same direction, that really was exampled for me as a young child. And so I had that foundation in me, even though I didn't really necessarily understand what it looked like. Like, what does the, the sacrifice behind that actually look like? Mm. I did see the, the peace that came from that lifestyle and the fruit of that lifestyle as a foundation, sort of under running my life. That's super important to see that as a child. That's obviously very foundational to then what would be your opportunity to then live a lifestyle for other people. So can you tell us a little bit about when you were kind of going through your season of really needing victory in your life? How did you pull on some of that that you learned as a child? And what was really your foundation as you were praying and believing God for victory? I was diagnosed with cancer in age of 23. And I really had sort of lived a a happy-go-lucky kind of life up to that point. I hadn't walked through really any major tragedies in my life. And so when I was confronted with this reality, it hit like a ton of bricks. And I started feeling fear and anxiety grip me. Mm. I felt very out of control. I felt very uh, overwhelmed by the unknown. And when you're walking into chemo, you are walking in to poison yourself, basically. Mm. And there's a lot of side effects that come with that. There's There was a lot of hospitalizations for me that came with that. And so I quickly realized that my life was not my own. Mm. I couldn't keep myself alive and I couldn't keep myself from having these side effects. And I wanted to find some anchor to hold on to. Um, 
I recognized that it was God calling me to him. I recognized all those things I had learned up to that point were about anchoring yourself in Christ. And so I started taking some of these foundational things that I learned, some things that I had been taught on a small scale back when I didn't really have much context, and started applying it just slowly, one thing at a time, understanding what fear really was, understanding what God's presence really was. I sat under some good teaching. Um, back then, we had VHS tapes. There was no <laughs> podcast. There was no YouTube. Yeah, right. So I was asking people, would you find me some VHS tapes of these different speakers and preachers and, and these certain books and these certain prayers? And I started sewing into my relationship with God like it was my job. Yeah, so good. That was the first time that I recognized living a life of being a Christian isn't just walking around and things are going well for you. It's knowing how to anchor yourself to Christ, knowing how to live those principles when you are afraid, when you are feeling defeated when you are feeling completely out of control. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. And as a pastor, Chris, I mean, how do you lead people who are looking at what they see, right? Like we know that faith is the evidence of, of the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But in reality, so many people live their lives according to what they see. Yeah. How do you lead people into a lifestyle of victory when all they can focus on is what they see in front of them? Well, I think the, the first thing is, is trying to adjust their focus. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus' disciples approached him and asked them to uh, teach them to pray like John's disciples did, first thing he did is adjust their gaze. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, set apart, sanctified is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it already exists in heaven. And I'm so thankful that Jesus did not say to be continued yeah. uh, on the cross. He said, it is finished. Right. There's some things that his, his redemptive sacrifice consummated for us. Mm -hmm. So we can have, uh, as Paul said, we can be fully persuaded about these things. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's a job uh, that all of us as pastors and leaders or parent, mothers, fathers, grandparents, uh, whomever we're setting example for is to fix their gaze on the one who doesn't change, the one who uh, gave his life mm -hmm. to bring, uh, as Second Corinthians one twenty says, Jesus, all of the promises of God are yes and amen yes. in Christ Jesus. And so that, I think, is really a primary responsibility, fixing the gaze, not looking at the things which are seen, they're temporal, yes. but the things which are unseen, these settled realities that Psalm 1989 speaks about and setting their gaze and focus on those things. Oh, that's so important. You know, that that is where our prayer starts, is that we see Jesus for who he really is, that we know that because he has overcome, then we overcome. That's right. And, you know, I'm thinking about times in our lives when we go through these problems and all we see are the problems. We know in our head, like, okay, God, let's, yes, your word says that I'm an overcomer. I know that I've got victory, but like, these are the problems that I see right now. How can someone actually go through a difficult time, whether that's a divorce or whether that is a sickness, you know, a cancer diagnosis, whether that's your children acting crazy? How can someone go through a difficult time knowing that this is their present reality, but then also like being real with that, right? But then also holding 
on to the hope of what is to come. Holding on to, no, I know that regardless of what I'm seeing right now, I'm not victorious. Like I'm not winning today, but I do believe that there's victory coming. What is the, what is the step-by-step? Like if you had to give someone kind of a process to get there, what would that look like? I love your concept of fixing your gaze because I think we can do the same with what does victory even look like? Mm. What does victory mean? Yeah. I think that we are children of God made in his image. We have a purpose and a plan that's for us. And as long as we can walk through these greatest commandments, love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, love our neighbor as ourselves, then even when the circumstances around us are looking very difficult, we are grounded on this solid rock, right? And so when you're standing on this rock, when you know that God has a plan and a purpose, when you know that he's going to work all things for good, when you know that you are living right in his will, you are walking in victory. Mm. So you can go through divorce. You can yeah. go through some type of failure. Mm. You can walk through sickness, loss. There are so many storms that we will face in this fallen world. Sure. But when we can see that victory doesn't mean everything looks like it's together. Yes. When victory doesn't mean I have everything that the world expects me to have, but victory looks like I have the Son of God in my life, and He is peace. I mean, I got to go to New Life this Sunday, and Pastor Joel was preaching, and he talked about how we have Jesus, and Jesus is our peace. Mm. It's not that Jesus gives us peace. Yes. And so am I spending time in his presence every day? Then I am walking in victory. That's my definition. So good. I'm so glad that we defined that, right? Because it's one thing for us to say to someone or even to tell ourselves, I have victory, but if we don't know what we're actually aiming for, then we're constantly going to be kind of in this state of confusion or uh, disappointment because we're not, a lot of times people think victory is the answer prayer. It's the the miracle. It's right. the, the yeah. pot right. of gold Absolutely. at the end of the rainbow yeah. is the victory. But it's the process, I think, that we go through, that the Lord allows us to go through, that we can still be victorious even in our failings, even when it seems like things are not actually coming together the way that we want them to. So Chris, I'm thinking about in your life, I know that you're a, you know obviously very busy. Uh, you've got a, you four kids at home. You guys made a pretty big move a couple of years yeah. ago, moving out to the Williamsburg area. Tell us a little bit about the ministry that God has placed in your heart. And were there times that you struggled to feel victorious and what the Lord was calling you to do next? Well, absolutely. I mean, um... I think it goes back to something Sarah was just talking about. Sometimes the 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 thing that we're looking at in terms of how we measure, and, and you alluded to this as well, what we measure what a victory is mm -hmm. or what it's supposed to look like in our lives, we're measuring it against the culture, the value sets that we see replicated uh, in, in media, and it it gives a false um, a picture. Right. And it's... It, opens the door for people to fall into what Proverbs thirteen twelve talks about, which is hope deferred. Yeah. Because it's stirring these these legitimate passions, but it's aiming to get them fulfilled in the wrong place. Mm. So therefore you have this space between a real legitimate uh, desire 
uh, and uh, the lack of fulfillment thereof. And that's what causes the heart to become sick. And it's a, it's a very difficult place to, to be, especially as a believer, mm-hmm. uh, because which is our complete identity is to believe, right. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> to trust. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. very difficult. So for me, you know, just to your question, uh, Pastor Dana, that um, there have been, our ministry has really become one that that's, that's really what we pursue mm-hmm. because we've seen uh, that God's interested in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not just making empty promises. Yeah. I, I want you to, I want, I, I, there's actually fulfillment for these things. Mm-hmm. There's actually substance behind the words. I want you to, to step into this place. And the last thing I'll say is this, is that John 17, 3, when we look, we're trained to look at, let's take something like eternal life. That's something that's way down the road one day, you know, over yonder. And the sweet by and by, <laughs> swing low, sweet chariot coming yeah. for to carry me home one day. But, but Jesus defines it differently. John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Right. So even eternal life is not a destination. It's a present reality. It's a yes, relationship. Yes, yes. That's how we have to, I believe, we have to live. Uh, even in the face of the challenges, in the face of the contradicting evidence that we have to live with, mm. we live in the consummated realities that Jesus, so we, we, we begin to experience and taste of the goodness of God, even while the challenges are present. Mm. It's the, I prepare a table for you, Psalm mm-hmm. 23, in the presence of your enemies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that I just want to run around the room. That's so good, Chris. Thank you for that. You know, so in, in alignment with what we believe and what we're hoping for, then how then does prayer become a catalyst for us to achieve that? I love to. I've been really practicing solitude lately. It's it's called a oh. practice, and it, it is for a reason. Um, John Mark Homer has this great uh, series on solitude yeah. that's been really. Um, instructional for me honestly he talks about how when we settle our minds and we settle our external noise and our internal noise that we can really start to be in God's presence but we start getting the sediment coming up the emotions coming up the the fears we're facing ourselves when we allow everything else to quiet down, it's it's nothing there but me and God. Mm. And when you really take that time every day to practice that solitude, practice settling mm. yourself, uh, allow yourself to feel those emotions that are coming up, allow yourself to see yourself in the mirror and come to terms with it, and then give it over to God, wow. then you start to have this deeper prayer life. You start to have this deeper relationship with God. You're not coming to him trying to be this perfect, shiny representative that's Mm going to make him proud of you because Mm -hmm. you've done it just so. Mm -hmm. You are coming to him as his child who has all of the struggles and all of the questions and all of the challenges and all of the emotions that you can't regulate by yourself and he says 
come to me, I will give you rest. Mm. Yes. And there were times when I first started this practice that I would just imagine myself on the beach with Jesus, laying my head in his lap, and he was stroking my hair, and I would cry for hours Mm. because that's what I needed Mm. in that season. And it's, it's brought me deeper into a understanding of who he is, how he loves me, mm. and what he has for me, rather than uh, this idea of I need, I need to be something in particular. It's more that he's showing me who he is. Mm-hmm. This is what I am for you, mm-hmm. and you are who you are. Mm-hmm. Sarah, thank you so much for bringing up the practice of solitude, because I think a lot of times when we think of prayer, we think of words. You know, we've got to say the right thing. We've got Mm -hmm. to declare. And there is a time and a place, a very important space for declarative prayers and and things like that. But I think solitude for me, as I was listening to you talk, I think what great faith do we exemplify when we can choose Sabbath or when we choose solitude? Because that is when we stop striving. That's when we stop trying to make it happen. Like you literally cease activity so that you can be still and when you are still, then what you're saying is, God, I trust you. You are my victory. It's not wrapped up in the things that I do to bring about a victory. It's the fact that I get to be mm-hmm. with you and right. you are victory. And so I just love that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Chris, are there any practices that you know go in alignment with prayer or even specific types of prayer that you pray when you're really needing a victory in your life? Yeah, I think uh, going back to, Sarah, what you brought up, I think is so powerful. It's the concept, and, and Dana, you too, it's it's the concept of rest. Yeah. See, I, I know that in my human efforts, um, when I, so, so one of the things that I, and I will say this, this is a, has become a practice that has aided me in prayer. One of the things that I do is I will monitor my thoughts. And if my thoughts are centering around me, even when it sounds good, like yeah. I should, or yeah. I need to, or I'd have to. I always find that if I'm thinking, if, if my thought train is moving in the eyes, mm. then I'll, it, the two things happen. Number one, I become much more aware of my insufficiency and much less right. aware of his all-sufficiency. Isn't that the truth? Because the focus comes back on me, and even the way that I pray, it's, pray, it's not praying from victory when that's where we've been positioned. It's a, you yeah. know, and, and, and listen, I don't want to knock. There's sometimes, man, you just got to air it out. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you got to, you got to right. get the stuff out right. and uh, with him. But, but at some point we do have to step over into the reality. No, Jesus, you already, you've already dealt with this. You've right. already, and I'm completing you. That's Colossians 2.10. It says, and we are completing him who is the head of all principality and power. And so finding that place of rest. Finding that place of saying, you know what, Lord, I'm taking my eyes off of me. I know I'm not. Mm. I, I, I can't beat this thing. I can't overcome this thing. But you have. Right. And in you, I'll, I'll, I'll be positioned in that place of overcoming and victory. Yeah, and I really pray for discernment in mm. those moments. Like, God, you, you've already been victorious. You know where this needs to go. So help me know what to pray. That's right. Give, mm-hmm. When you're right in the slipstream of that relationship with him, when you've rested in him, when you've spent time with him and you've gotten to know him, you can trust that he's going to speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit that's right. and give you the words. And that's been so meaningful for me. There, 
I have to remind myself, I'm not the savior of the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can't go and save this situation. He is the savior. Right. He knows what is needed. He's already provided everything for my victory that is needed. So I just need to rest in him. I need to trust in him. I need to be closer to him than ever. And I need to pray for him to show me what it is that I That's should right. be praying. That's mm. right. Well, the word says that we have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, and it. listening to you two talk about your testimony. See, the testimony is not the answered prayer. A lot of times that's what we think. It's like the test, go come share this, the testimony service. What has the Lord done for you? And that is a part of it. But the testimony is your story. It's how okay. you accomplish things like praying from a place of victory. We are seated in heavenly realms, right? Like we don't have to wait till we get there. We're already there. And so we can pray from a place of victory because that's where we're seated. So I just wanna thank you both for sharing your testimonies with us. And I just wanna bless those of you who are listening um, to this today that you began to pray from a place of victory that as Pastor Chris reminded us that we need to refocus and reframe who we are in light of Christ. So Father, I thank you so much that we get to pray from a place of victory. Lord, we thank you that you have overcome and because you have overcome, we are overcomers. Lord, I pray that we would no longer focus our eyes on what is seen, but that we would focus our eyes on what is unseen, what is eternal, that thing that lasts, that thing that the world didn't give us and the world can't take it away. So we trust you with our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening today.